I've got some really nice cliff lines here that look pretty spectacular. Uh, we're racing wind again today. Uh, we've got about eight to ten knots at the moment, but that's going to build and build and build and build till it's like 20, 25 and gusting over. So I want to be in before that starts. Nice, pretty standard day. You start slow and finish fast. Last week on the program, we took a look at Stephen King's solo sail down towards Tasmania. Now it's time for the circumnavigation. We pick him up as he heads into Hobart and the Timber Boat Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I was a little early for it, so I, I had to hang around for about two weeks. So I, I went for a run up the Huon River and around Bruny Island. But the Timber Boat Festival is absolutely spectacular. The, the amount of beautiful timber boats that were there, um, many, many hundreds. Um, it was a great three or four days that I spent there and bumped into a few people that I'd met up the uh, east coast of Tasmania and uh, there were certainly plenty of refreshments going on. <laughs> as, as there should be. <laughs> yeah, very festive environment. Like they had multiple stages of live music and a big hall with trade shows. Just... Absolutely fantastic. Lots and lots of people, you know, even exhibitions of old steam engines, just amazing. The, the only shame about it is, is each individual boat is really worth some time and seeing. And if you saw it on its own, you, you know, you'd really enjoy it. But kind of, of course, there's so many, they all sort of just get lost in the noise. Yeah, yeah, you sort of you sort of rush through because you don't have the time to to go through the infinite details of those boats. Yeah, exactly. Once once again, there were there were hundreds of of timber boats ranging from you know little Hartley TS 16s all the way up to you know uh, tall, tall ships. You know, hundred, two hundred foot tall ships. Yeah. Now, when you decided to leave there and continue that the circumnavigation of Tasmania, now Hobart's probably your last big port. While there are a couple of settlements uh, along the way, they're they're few and far between. But basically, and particularly the west coast and the, the southern side of Tasmania, you're on your own. How do you prepare for that mentally? Well, given I've done a fair few miles already and, and done a lot of long-distance uh, long, long distance hiking and stuff, uh, I, I kind of me mentally, um, I, I prefer it. Um, I was quite surprised sometimes. I was in some very remote places, especially up around Flinders Island, because I actually ended up accidentally circumnavigating Cape Barren Island. And yeah. I, I didn't see a boat for four days. Um and it's a very, very remote part. And I was like, out sailing, you know, three metre seas, 20, 20 knots of wind, looking around, going, there's no one around here. Sh shouldn't I be scared? I'm like, oh, I feel perfectly comfortable. That's a good headspace to be in, especially if you're doing something like that. And what was what was the adventure like? Being an adventurer and being somebody who um, likes to get out and do uh, wild things like that, what what sort of things were going through your mind when you were travelling up the West Coast? The, the main thing that was going on up on the West Coast is, geez, I wish I had a better autopilot. And, <laughs> and then the, looking the, at the... The bait of every sailor. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, de- definitely wish I had a, a much stronger autopilot because I, I sometimes got stuck on the helm. My autopilot was really only useful until it got to about to 12 to 15 knots. Uh, after, after that, yeah, so, sometimes I was on the helm for 10, 10 hours. So wow. what's going through my mind? M- mostly looking at the GPS going, oh, wow. Only only eight hours to go. Oh, <laughs> oh, gu- gusting to twenty five, gusting to twenty seven. Oh, it'll ease off in a minute. Oh, half an hour later. Oh, oh gusting to twenty seven. Oh no, no, it'll ease off in a minute. So the next uh, the next investment's a wind vane, right? Mate, you you've got me there. Uh, a wind vane. Because I was actually very fortunate enough, I actually got to meet one of the Golden Globe racers. Yeah. Um, like this, this guy makes what I've done look like nothing. This guy hadn't touched port since South Africa. Um, yep. he, he'd already been knocked out of the race, but he, he's come in and he had a wind. You know, the, all the Golden Globe racers are using wind vanes. He was he got knocked down in the Southern Ocean. He said he had about sixty knots of breeze with about a six to eight metre sea, running no sails, towing a drogue, and he was downstairs strapped into his bed asleep. <laughs> I'm just going, geez, those wind vanes sound pretty good. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And and still probably would have been pulling about six or seven knots too, which is just psychotic, isn't it? And they do that with a sextant, not, not GPS or, or any nav chart, any nav gear. They've just got charts. And apparently the charts um, cost more than, uh, you know, a, a really good navigation chart system on a, on, a, on, a, on a boat. They're so expensive, but they've got to do it old school. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly what charts they're using, but I know with the Admiralty charts that we have now, like you're talking about $35 a chart. Yeah. And, geez, if you, do, if you go on all the way around, like you, you might need like a couple of grand worth of paper charts to to get around so mate gps's i mean we've all got a phone you can just download an app for a couple of dollars and you're off as opposed to thousands of dollars equipment to do it to do it the old-fashioned way yeah true now i did notice that you and because we are a fishing program as well as a boating program i i did did notice you you managed to pick up the odd meal along the way so what were you what were you hunting what is your experience with fishing first of all i've I've never been a huge keen fisherman but on this trip um given my financial situation was quite thin um and i'm on my own i've Sort of got tired of sitting there because I've got a good TV on my boat. I got sick of sitting there watching TV, and uh, I really got the pleasure. I really enjoyed getting a bit of light gear, and um, it gave me an excuse to stand out on the front deck because I rarely go up on the front deck. And I, yeah, really just enjoyed getting up on the front deck and, and doing a bit of fishing, and really just enjoying where I was. And cer- certainly got a fair bit down there. Um, yeah, the, the fishing was actually pretty good. And, yeah, I really enjoyed the experience of doing some fishing while I was going around. Were you doing any trawling? Yeah, I did did do a bit. Um, I got, like, a sort of a heavy heavy boat rod just sort of towing a silver flasher. Um, when, when things were mild, um, I'd tend to, to troll a lure. 
and I, I did get a bit. I, I did find around Tassie there's a lot of weed around, so it's frustrating when you you know you pull your line in, you get the weed off it, you throw it out, and 15 minutes later, clunk. You know it's taking off again, and you think you've got a fish, and nope, I've just got another hunk of weed. Yeah. Um, but then some, sometimes when she whips up all of a sudden and starts blowing over 20, and you've got a poor autopilot. Uh, there's no chance of pulling in a line, so you just leave them go. The fish is second last. Well, you made it back to town, albeit, what was it, 94 days past your due return to work date, which is psychotic. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if anyone's ever worried about being late for work, uh, I'm... I'm actually going to go into work today and see see if I can come back. I'm, as of today, I'm officially 101 days late for work. Every adventure you do, you, you learn something, you gain something. It's it's about personal development. From this circumnavigation, what did you learn, uh, A, about your yacht and about yourself? Very, very good question. And yes, you're right. It is... Um it is a personal development experience and you do learn to, first of all, self-reliance. Um, you know, you really, really trust yourself and trust your abilities. Uh, what did I learn about my boat? Many, many things. Despite the fact I've done a lot of uh, inshore yacht racing and stuff like that, some runs you'd, you'd come back in from, like when, when you're there at the time, you know, the boat's moving at a decent speed, in the direction you want to go, and you're like, oh, I don't want to, t- I don't want to touch anything. But then when you come in, you're like, oh, hang on, I had a bit too much weather helm. Maybe I should have gotten the main up, put two reefs in the main, and had a bit less headsail. There's a few intricacies about the boat, and it's like, oh, hang on, I was in that sea state. You know, in hindsight, I really wish I sort of set the sails up like this. So yeah, and about myself. Um, I was really surprised sometimes. Uh, some of the sea states I went in, came in from, it was like, geez, I really had that under control. Like, I, I really surprised myself at how on top of the situation I was in some really heavy conditions. That, um, yeah, it was a very, very rewarding experience. Just, um, yeah, seeing, seeing how well I did actually handle this. And, it's like, well, if I can do this, you know, I'm looking at these Golden Globe races and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I want to do a Golden Globe. I, I wish I didn't want to do one. Um, going around the horn sounds like a terrifying experience. You know, we're talking about six to eight metre seas, but then there's also this like, I think I have to do it. I, I wish I didn't want to go, but ooh, I think I do. I think I do. I've got to tell you, in fairness, because you've been away, you may not be aware, but uh, after he rounded the horn, uh, Ian Herbert Jones uh, got caught in a storm, got demastered, rolled seven times, and had to be rescued by a, a Taiwanese fishing trawler. So maybe you might want to think about this. It's such a hard race. Eight months already they've been out at sea, and yep. the deal is with the Golden Globe, as you know. You're not allowed to go to port. It's from start to finish, and you have to be self-reliant. That is hardcore, man. I guess we all react to, to situations differently because I sort of came up, re- you know, reading and, and watching documentaries about the original Golden Globe. You know, guys like 
Montessier and the uh, the story of um, oh, what's that guy's name that went went around the Atlantic going crazy until he killed himself? Um, oh yes, yes, yeah. I can't think of his name, but I know um, who you're talking about. He just uh, he disappeared yeah, off his like boat. I, I, yeah, I, I came up on stories like that, and um, you know about you know Robin Knox Johnson's you know victory of. You know, he, he just went he just went around on the boat that he had and he, he only averaged four knots, but he was the only he was just the last man standing. Like I grew up on stories like that and it just sounds like really thrilling and exciting to me. Well, uh, you may not know, but Alan Blake, who uh, hosts uh, the program with us, he uh, actually got to sail with uh, Robin uh, on many occasions. And Robin's not somebody who takes a, a great deal of rubbish from anyone, I can tell. He's quite vocal with his thoughts. So, you, you dead set, you're going to have a go at the Golden Globe? Um, I did actually buy this boat with the intention of that being the, the goal, but since I've actually read the race specs of what, what criteria your boat has to meet. And unfortunately, I am i believe I'm two tonnes too light in the oh. boat that I have at the moment. Um, the, the thinking at the moment is, is, first of all, I need to go out into the Southern Ocean and actually have the experience of a front coming over first. So maybe at some stage next year or the year after is just a whip down to the bottom of Tassie and just go from Rosheshes Bay down near Bruni Island when you know there's a front coming and then just go out and at least you're only going to have to deal with it for 10 hours or something. You're only going to be 20 mile offshore. Um, But then I am thinking about just doing a single-handed circumnavigation nonstop through the clipper route, not in the race, you know, with a GPS. Um, you know, with all the modern safety gear and, you know, just do a, you know, pit water to pit water nonstop circumnavigation to then at least build on that experience. Let, let's just sail it first and then, and then look at racing it. Like I'm still 40, I'm only 42 now. So I'm, I'm good for another couple of decades at yeah. doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I suppose the you know the, the the thing that needs to be mentioned too with the Golden Globe race is uh, irrespective of whether you finish first or last, completing that is the is the Everest. If you win or finish in the top three, that's just a byproduct of of, of luck, really. Um, but yeah. just completing it. Yeah, it, it does seem to be that way. It's uh, it's certainly not a race where you're always thinking about going fast it's probably more about preserving your boat like and then it, it, it's probably a yeah, bit, bit of skill and a bit of luck mixed together is where you actually finish because look look at the current race um you know not, not many people actually finish totally totally it's so demanding and so tough um Look, for people that are listening to this that might have a sailboat that don't venture out of Pitwater, Sydney Harbour, Botany Bay, Port Hacking, wherever, um, who think, oh, you know, a little bit of a cruise up or down the coast to, to see some new places uh, might not be bad. What would you do? What would you say to encourage them? Um, well, once again, that's, that's exactly where I started. Um, 
Like I started out boating in my early 30s with a 16-foot half cab. And, you know, I started out with, first of all, just sticking my nose out of pit water. Then, you know, I did a little run, and this is in a 16-foot half cab with 115. Then I just did a little hop to Lake Macquarie. Then I did a hop. I actually ran that all the way to Bateman's Bay once. Um, start start small. You've, you've got to crawl before you can walk, and you've got to walk before you can run. Um, if you're in Sydney Harbour, do it. Do a run up to up to Pitwater. It's fifteen twenty mile, cut four or five hours. Um, yeah, start start small and and build on your confidence and build on your skill set. It's um, you know ch- check your weather and and just have a go. Well, I'll take your advice. I will bring my boat from Rose Bay up to Pitwater. I'll do that do that hop based on what you said. So if anything goes wrong, I'm going to blame you for it. Yeah, mate, that's that sounds that sounds perfectly <laughs> fine. Um, once again, your your main thing is is check your weather, then check your weather, then check your weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reef early, reef often, reef early, reef often. I, I, I the, the the things that get drummed into your head. So, besides going back to work, trying to make some money, where's your next adventure going to be, Stephen? Um, well, yes, the, the financial situation certainly does dictate that, uh, I, I do need to do some, some work, but I do work in a boatyard and I am, uh, moving forward with a, uh, marine industry career. So it is going to be playing with boats all day. Um, I've done two Tassie trips. I really want to go to Queensland and, uh, for some milder airs and warmer waters. Uh, yeah. Definitely got to get that Lord Howe Island trip trip done. Um, but yeah, definitely looking at getting a decent autopilot or a wind vane and, and building a hard dodger on the boat as well. That would increase comfort. But yeah, we're, we're looking at our sights of, of going north next. Oh, that'd be so much fun. And a good chance to dry out the wet weather gear after the uh, Tasmanian circumnavigation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I tell you what, I need to go and give that stuff a good wash because I've pretty much spent a good chunk of the last four months, um, yeah, wearing my bib and brace um, sailing gear. Um, yeah. Stephen, thanks very much for joining us on the program and congratulations on, on achieving a milestone by by anyone's account. I know we're talking about Golden Globe and I know they're gone for eight, you know, nine months out there at sea, but to just take that step, to take that leap of faith within yourself and your boat to go down to Tasmania and circumnavigate it, uh, a massive effort, so congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Grant. I really appreciate that. And yes, for for me, of where I am today, yeah, it's 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 been a great victory for me. Um, just as I said, you know, some someone new who's not done a lot of sea miles, you know, sailing from from Sydney Harbour to Pittwater is is a new experience and a new goal and a new horizon for them. And once again, you just keep building on that. And yeah, yeah, I've got my sights set quite high but just just for today like yeah it's been a, a great experience it's taken me six six and a half years to to complete this goal so yeah I'm, I'm i'm very happy with it and most of all thank you for taking time out of your morning to have a chat with us here on high tide oh mate it's been a, an absolute pleasure i, I really appreciate it <laughs>